0: Well, to open up with me, if you're in your Bibles, to the Gospel of John, John chapter 17. And as you're turning there, I figured I'd just get something right out there in the open. Um, my uh, wife and I, on Friday, went out and did a bunch of shopping and, you know, did the whole panic thing and bought a bunch of goldfish and, like... Uh, a couple other things from Sam's. everything. The kids are home, probably gonna be home for two weeks. What exactly are we gonna feed them? So we have a ton of goldfish, but obviously, like everyone else, we thought we need some toilet paper. Two weeks is a long time, or whatever. And so uh, we couldn't find any in the stores, and um, we had this great idea hey, we're, why don't we just like, order online? So we looked at other places, couldn't find any, but we thought Staples. Staples had it. And so we ordered it from Staples, got this big old box. It's kind of like the the UPS guy was like dropping off at our door and I see him in his truck and he's like laughing at us. Like, look at these people. Like us along with many other people, whatever. But last night, as I was just working through my message, the box is in our living room, and I was like, I'm just gonna check this box. Just just make sure we have it. And I open that thing up, and instead of toilet paper, we have like 60 rolls of paper towels. (laughs) So we have the option of either cutting those bad boys in thirds. (laughs) Or whatever it may be, but if you guys need paper towels, you know where to go. But it's been absolutely, it's just crazy. Um, going out on Friday and like just seeing the looks on people's faces. Like, and out of actual like fear and panic. And if you're like me, I've been scrolling online and watching the news and on social media. And just seeing the responses that people are having to this. And this morning we're not going to say who's right and who's wrong and how to respond. Listen, people are literally afraid. And they're going to respond as such. But the question I kept coming back to is, how, how should we respond? like As believers, as followers of Jesus, how exactly should we, should, should we respond to this thing? I mean, because, to be honest, as a 34-year-old, I've never experienced anything quite like this. I mean, I remember living through 9-11 and the panic that came afterwards and wondering if that was the only attack and everything else, but this seemed, but that seems a failing comparison to the, the panic and the anxiety that's out there now. And so I kept going back and I kept asking myself this question, Lord, what should our response be? And the more I prayed and the more I thought, and as I was preparing the message for this week anyway, I find it no mistake that on the on the same day that the president calls our country to pray, to pray for Our leaders pray for those medical personnel to pray for those people that have been infected by the disease and the the, the millions of other families that have been impacted by it. What exactly are we supposed to do? And find it no mistake that as we are called to pray, this portion in John 17 that we've been working towards really since last Christmas, as we've just been walking through the Gospel of John, um, we find in this portion that Jesus is praying. And last week, Pastor Mike began John 17. And, um, and, and as you know, in the context of, of these verses, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. He is literally hours away from being arrested, tried, and nailed and beaten to a, to a Roman cross. And by this time, the next day, he will be dead and buried. So Jesus knows that this is coming, and so he spends time... Praying to the Lord before that moment comes, and he, as Mike said last week, he first he prays for himself. He prays that God would would glorify, would be glorified through his death. Then he also prays for those eleven disciples that, that are there with him, and he says, "God, I pray for their future ministry," because Jesus knows, and literally just. Just a few, a few weeks, he's going to be ascended into heaven, and the ministry is all going to be on those disciples. So he prays for them, that they would be in the world, but not of the world. He prays that their ministry would be a successful and fruitful one. But in John 17, 20, through, really through 26, Jesus changes the focus and now prays for the church. So, in a time where we have been called to pray, we find here in John 17 that Jesus has already prayed for us. This absolutely blows my mind. So, this morning, what, what I want to do, I'm, we're going to read through, the, really, uh, these six, seven verses here. I'm going to read all the way through 26 so we see it in context. We're not going to get down and break down every single detail that is there. There is a ton. But there are three things that I I want to point out to you afterwards that Jesus prays that are specifically for the moment that we are in now as a church. So if you have your copy of the scriptures, turn with me again to John 17. We're going to read from verse 20 through 26. We're just going to ask God that during this time, through his word, that, that comfort and security and and, and trust would just flood our hearts as we open up God's word and hear from it today together. So John chapter 17, beginning at verse 20. This is Jesus' prayer for us. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have been given me, I have given to them, and that they may be one even as we are one. And I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me from the foundation of the world. And o righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. And I have made known to you, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Father, as we just look into your word this morning, God, as we... Think about the things that you prayed for us, God, 2,000 years ago as you look down the corridor of time and history and to see our church at this specific moment, at this specific time. And God, you, you desire three very specific things for us. God, it is so easy for fear and doubt to take hold and cling on to our hearts. But God, this morning you call us to hold fast to three very different things. So God, may we be encouraged today. May we see your heart for us today. God, may we see the hope that we have in your gospel this morning. God, may we, at the end of it all, rest in who you are and what you have done. And we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So church, as I said before, I'm not going to break down everything that is in these verses. There is a lot there. But I do want to, again, bring you and show you three different things. And as, as you probably, as you and I, as, as we were reading together, you probably came up at least with the overall arcing theme of, of, of this passage. Jesus calls over and over and over again for unity, that, me, that we may be one that we may be one with the Father, that we may be one with each other. And Jesus prays here for, for unity, for closeness, for the ability to lean into and hold on and hold fast onto something. See, he prays for this because we all, we're all susceptible to worry, fear, and anxiety. And when those things show up, our, our go-to move, our first reaction normally is to turn inward, is to become self-reliant, to focus on our own self-preservation. I mean, you've seen the news, and you felt it within your own hearts. As we were out on on Friday, as as you might might have been out this weekend, you see it on people's faces. You see it in the way that they treat each other. You see it in, there's, there's, you know, supermarkets down in Georgia and New York where where fights broke out because people needed certain things for themselves. And in moments of fear and anxiety, we often turn inward. We focus on, our, on ourselves instead of, instead of the things that God wants us to focus on. But church, in the midst of fear, God prays that we would hold fast. In the midst of fear, in the midst of worry, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of being able to hold on to all of these things that the world is telling us that we need to hold on to, Jesus calls and prays for us to hold fast to, to three very different things. And the first thing that he prays, that we would hold fast to who God is and what he has done. That we are to hold fast to who God is and what he has done. Look with me in, in, in verse 21. I just want to focus on the, this one little phrase here. And Jesus is praying. He says, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And, and And I knew that they may also be in us. Church, what Jesus is is praying for here is that we would, as a church, as believers, first off, lean into and be unified with our Savior and our Heavenly Father. Jesus prays that we would experience a close and intimate relationship with Him. And you know this, in any deep relationship, there is an acknowledgement on who that person is. But not only who they are, their attributes, their character, their nature, but also what they have done, their history with, with you. I think back on the way, that, the way that, I know, that, that I know my wife. We've been married now for almost 12 years, and you know she, she's my best friend and everything else. And while I love the other pastors, while I love Mike, Mike and Dan, uh, there are certain levels of, of intimacy that I don't want to have with them. That's cool. But there are certain things about Mel. There are certain things that I acknowledge. I acknowledge who she is as a person. Like after 12 years, I know her pretty well. I know her quirks. I know the things that, that, that you know, drive me crazy. But there's also I, I also acknowledge the many things that, that she is amazing at. And I acknowledge who she is, and I also acknowledge what she has done in any kind of deep and close and growing relationship. Those are the things that you deal with. There's only so much time that you can actually fake who you really are to someone, especially, like, especially once you're married. You know, I remember that first year, thinking things, what have I, like, I'm sure she thought the same way too. I, like, she got the, the bad end of the bargain on this thing. But, like, I remember that one of our first things was... Um, I still, and to this day, I am terrible at putting clothes actually in the hamper. I put them next to the hamper because they're not dirty yet. But I don't put them in and melt every single time. Just put your, like, it's actually like six more inches. Put them in the hamper. She's like, and that's just something, I think at this point she probably just gives up. This is it. This is who she's got. But God is calling us to that same kind of growing and deep relationship with him. And church, what I found in, in times like this, when things are crazy, when chaos comes, when fear and anxiety hit all of our hearts, that the first thing that we do is that we forget who God is and what he's done for us. I mean, I can be, and I can be honest. If I, were, if I were honest with you folks today, it wasn't until last night as I was reworking this message kind of be tailored more to today, um, that God finally got a hold of my heart. Um, I, I looked at my screen reports uh, for how much I've used my, my, my smartphone this week, and it was up 46% because of how much I've been trying to keep, keep track on things but checking on what other churches are doing and, and everything else. But I've been so focused on what's going on in my circumstances Outside that, I forget to focus on the character of God. In church this morning, we obviously cannot go through every single attribute of God. But I just want to read a few portions of Scripture to you today. To remind you of certain aspects of who God is and what He has done. The first one is out of Psalm 147, verses 3 through 7. It says, the Lord heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He gives, them na- he gives names to all of them. And our Lord is great. He's vast in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord helps the oppressed but brings, but brings the wicked to the ground. He determines the number of stars. He gives to them all of their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Psalm 46, one, which we've already read, the Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, which are going to be up on the screen, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And church, I am completely convinced that every moment of fear, that every act of anxiety, that every moment where we are confused and every moment where, where we doubt God's provision and protection upon our lives, every single one of those moments is rooted in the fact that we have forgotten part of who God is or what he has done. When we worry about how our families are going to be provided for, we forget the fact that God has promised to me all of our needs. When we worry about protection, and really not only for us, but the responses of, of the masses out there, their, their, their anxiety and their fear and how that will affect us and our families, we forget that God is a refuge and strength. And this week for me, I was doubting and struggling with all of those things and it was only until I opened up God's word and just read It came to Isaiah 26.3 you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. And church, of Jesus is praying here that our minds will be focused upon who God is and what he has done. So in those moments, when fear and anxiety strike, in those moments where you feel that your world is spinning out of control, you have to ask yourself this question. What attribute or work of God do I need to hold fast to right now. For some of us, it's, it's that same thing, that we trust for a moment and then we don't, that we're good for a day and then we're not. And for some of us, maybe there are different things at different times, but the the answer to that, the, the, the solution to that is not to depend upon yourself, is not to turn inward, and not to become self-reliant, and not to become worried about your self-preservation, but rather turning your hearts and your minds upon your creator. So I would challenge you to ask yourself that question. But not only to ask it, but to find out what it is. What am I struggling with? What am I doubting God for? And then you find that answer in scripture. You find that verse that describes God as being all-powerful. You you find that verse that talks about his sovereignty or, or his wisdom. And you meditate on that and you memorize that. And the only way that we can fight doubt and, and anxiety is, is with scriptures, with truth about who our Savior is. So I, w- I would encourage you to do just that. So Jesus first prays that we would hold fast to who God is and what He has done. But the, the second thing He prays for, which is so vital for us even today comes out of verse 21 as well where Jesus prays this this short little phrase that they may be one that they may be one they being the believers the church and this portion of scripture John 17 is often used by the those within the ecumenical movement to try to make one church and try to bring every every church together to be to be one and That may or may not be what what this text is about. I don't think it is, but I do know this for sure. That for the most part, people leave churches, not because we don't get along with the church down the street or down the road, which we have some amazing churches in this area that love the Lord, that are committed to the gospel, that that we do partner with. But people normally leave the church because we, within the local body, cannot be united together. And in moments like this, when the world is spinning out of control, Jesus prays that we would be united. That we would be one, that we would lean into, that we would embrace and be close to each other. Church, we come from a long line. A long history of Christians taking care of each other. This this book that I've been reading by by the author Rodney Stark, the book is called The Triumph of Christianity. But within that book, he shares this letter from from Bishop Dionysius of, of Alexandria around 260 A.D. This is when a huge plague had come through the land. And listen to what he writes. He says, most of our brothers showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of each other. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to the every attending to their very need and administering to them, and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the very sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Church, in every single plague, in every single pandemic like we're going through right now it is a historical fact that christians normally survived at a greater rate than those of their unsaved neighbors and the reason why that is is because christians took up the mantle of taking care of each other you have the you have the example of of people like martin luther during dur- during the the, the bubonic plague there in Europe. He stayed while everyone else left, and he talked about holding his neighbors, those in his in, in his community, in his arms as they died. Now, listen. We've come a long way since then, but church at a time where we are called to turn inward. Focus on the needs of our family. Focus on the needs of, of those within our household. Jesus prays that we would hold fast to each other. Church, there are some very simple and tangible ways we can do just that. It can be as simple as giving a phone call to someone within, within our church body. Just making sure they're Okay. Giving them some encouragement, um, parents. Your kids are going to be off for the ne- at least the next two weeks. Like, Again, like it or not, it is what it is. And so you're probably thinking, well, what am I going to do with all of this extra time with them? Um, maybe this is a time where where you get your kids together. And you and you write out you write out cards or thank you notes, especially to to our Church family, that especially to those in nursing homes that right now cannot receive cannot receive visits, give them give them the opportunity uh, to be a blessing to those people. Um, I know within within our life group we're we're not going to meet at least for for the next two weeks, and so we're going to leverage things like like uh, Google Hangouts or Facebook Messenger or FaceTime just to be able to to keep in contact with people. It's as simple. As that, And we're going to, a couple times we'll probably get together just to pray, just to share requests, and just to make sure that we're continuing to be connected within their lives. Um, they, it can be something as easy as dropping off a meal for someone. Or maybe if, if you don't, if you think that may, that may not be the greatest idea, maybe simply just uh, purchasing a gift card to a local restaurant, which one will help out that local restaurant in a time where they're losing business and saying, hey, I want, we, want, we want you to have a meal on us. But finding tangible, uh, physical ways to stay connected and meet needs. Let me remind you of Philippians chapter 2, verses, verse 4 that says, Let each one of you look not only on to his own interests, but also on the interests of others. And so during this time where we want to be so inward focused, I want us to ask this question when it comes to how we treat and how we hold fast to each other. And simply is this. Today, how can I show sacrifice instead of selfishness? How can I show a spirit of sacrifice? How can I give to meet someone else's need instead of thinking of only myself? That's a question for all of us to ask. It's a question that I need to ask myself each and every day moving forward. But if we ask that question, if you hold fast to each other, Something is going to happen here because the last thing that Jesus, that Jesus prays for that we see in verse, in verse 21, he prays that the world may believe that you have sent me. The third re- request that Jesus, that Jesus prays for is that we would hold fast to our mission. That we would hold fast to why God has placed us here. Church, our our mission to help people find and follow Jesus has not hit the pause button because we have a virus sweeping across our nation. If anything, that mission is probably ramped up now more than ever. And Jesus, Jesus prays and he says, if you hold fast to who I am, if you hold fast to what I have done, if you rest and find your trust in me, and if you hold fast to taking care of each other, to meeting their physical needs, first within the body, but then he, but then he goes on and says, listen, if you do these two things, this, this last thing is going to happen. That the world is going to see you and recognize that Jesus is the Messiah and place their faith and trust in him. So during this time, we need to hold fast to our mission. Church, as I have been, again on social media, as I have looked at um, the different responses that people have toward the COVID 19 virus, there is a lot of panic out there, obviously. But we, we forget something. That those people that are panicking, those people that, that are stocking up, listen, they have no other hope. That this is it for them. And so as we see the world seems falling apart around them, it is a reminder to us that the reason why this is happening is because they have nothing else, they have nothing other than themselves to to lean on, which should make us even more sensitive for their need for a Savior today. I read an article yesterday which shares us three great ideas on how we can hold fast to our mission during this time. And I just want to share, share them with you here this morning. The first thing is that we share the good news about Jesus Christ and the confidence that comes from a personal relationship with him. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Always be ready. And church, if you respond differently to the crisis than everyone else, people are going to ask you why. And that opens up an amazing opportunity to share with them the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And it may be over the phone, or it may be over social media, but the opportunity is going to be there to share with them the fact that, hey, I don't have to be crazy, I know what's going to happen in the end. And I trust in the one that holds this whole situation in the palm of his hand. And the second thing we're, we're able to do is model the difference that Christ makes in a person's outlook and attitude. Again, Isaiah 26.3, you keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now listen, instead, and while it may be easy, and while I've seen other Christians do this, instead of making fun of people's grocery runs, and all their toilet paper, whatever else. What would happen if we simply put out there the hope that we have in Jesus? What would happen instead of mocking their anxiety and mocking mocking everything that they're trying to do because they know know nothing else to do, what if instead of doing that, what what if instead of poking fun at them, we simply shared with them the hope that we have in Jesus. What if, as a church, we filled our social media accounts with scripture, pointing them back to our Savior, encouraging people um, during that time, seeing ways that you could help them. That could, I seriously think that could make all the difference. And lastly, the third thing we can do to hold fast to our mission is to respond with the same compassion and care that Jesus would show. I want to remind you of Matthew nine thirty six. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Instead of poking fun at them, instead of, instead of making jokes, instead of uh, sharing memes of, of all the chaos out there, what if you just showed compassion as Jesus had? And no, you're not going to be able to heal their diseases, or no, you're not going to do anything like that, but there are tangible needs that you and I can meet In the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of our loved ones that do not know the Lord, in the lives of people at our workplaces who are scared and frightened, there are things that we can do to have compassion upon them. And it's just a matter of throughout all the obstacles, and through all the obstacles of of everything that that may still happen, just look for opportunities to show compassion and God's love for these people that are far from him. And I just think of how, how, awesome, how awesome it would be that through all of this craziness that we see one, two, five, or ten people come to know the Lord. So to wrap all this up, again it comes back to this one thing. In the midst of fear, Jesus prays that we hold fast. That we hold fast to who God is and what he has done. That we focus and meditate our hearts, not just on the news and not just on social media, but rather on, on the truths of Scripture that reveal to us who God is and what He is like. I want to challenge you this week. I want you to keep track of how much time you're watching the news and scrolling on social media and compare that to the amount of time you're spending in God's Word. It hurts, because I know what mine was last week and it was not good. But what would happen to our own hearts, to our own well-being if we spent more time listening to Christian music, if we spent more time reading encouraging books, if we spent time soaking ourselves in the truths of scripture, that would change how we look at what's going on in the world around us. And Secondly, we need to hold fast to each other, and I would encourage you, as, as a family unit, Adopt especially some some of our older people that may not be able to get out or may not be able to go to to, to the grocery store. We have we just had those new directories printed. Use them and use them well. To check up on people, make sure that, make sure that each other are doing are, are doing okay, be committed to them. And lastly, hold fast to our mission. Remember that our time here in this instance, this circumstance. That, that has fallen upon our nation, did not happen by accident. And I'm sure God will use this to bring people to him. And you just ask, God, how can I be used to reach the people within my circle of influence with the hope of the gospel? So church, as I just invite the praise team up as we, as we finish up our time here, I just want to read a short article that I thought was really, really well done by a believer out in Australia. His name is Akus Baloo, and you can, if you want to search the article for yourself, it's called when, when Pandemic Hits. This is written by, again, a believer in the country of Australia, but this is what he says, and I think this is so good to be reminded of. He says, this is our time. God has raised us for such a time as this. It is no accident. It is no accident that you're here. This is our time to think not of ourselves, but about our neighbors, many of whom are scared and only will grow more so as this virus spreads. This is our time to hold out the word of life to those around us and give hope to those who are afraid and are wondering what's going to happen. This is our time to trust our God no matter what the future brings. For unlike our secular neighbors, we know where our hope lies. We know where our security lies, and we know where our future lies. It is with the one who conquered sickness, who touched the lepers and healed them with a word. It is with the one who conquered death, who said to Lazarus, come out. And it is the one who defeated death, not just for a time, but for forever. It is with the one who will return to resurrect this world and the bodies of all who trust in him. So let's not be afraid. Let's not give way to panic. Instead, let's serve those around us who are filled with fear. This is our time. Let us use it well. Church, why don't we stand and sing one more song together today?